You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From February 16, 2020 at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, the text is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I'm commanding you today by loving your Lord your God, walking in his ways, and observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Tevi, the milkman, was a devout Jew living at the turn of the 20th century in Tsarist Russia. You may know Tevi, the milkman, from the Tony Award-winning Broadway play and Oscar Award-winning film, Fiddler on the Roof. That's right, Fiddler on the Roof. Tevi was um, a, a devout Jew, and all he wanted to do was honor God and his Jewish traditions, which were increasingly hard to do in a culture that was changing around him. Holding on to those traditions was as hard as playing a fiddle on a roof. One of the traditions that he was wanting to hold on to was, was to make sure his daughters, his five daughters, God bless him, his five daughters would marry good Jewish men in the community. Now, Tevi, the milkman, he was poor, but he wanted to be rich. You remember the song that he sang? If I were a rich man, okay, we'll stop there. He wanted to be rich, but he couldn't be rich, so the best he could hope for was to marry off his five daughters to rich, good Jewish men in the community. And with the help sometimes of the community matchmaker, remember that one? Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match, catch me. All right, let's see how you are. Well, this is his dream for his daughters to marry rich Jewish men. And before we learn that this dream is pretty futile, Tevi the milkman gets word to go see the local butcher, rich man, who happens to want to marry his eldest daughter who has finally turned 18. Now, this rich butcher is a widower, and he was three times the young girl's age and probably five times her girth. But nonetheless, Tevi the milkman wants his daughter to marry a rich man, and this butcher is a rich man, so he says, yes, you can have my daughter. This was in the days of arranged marriages, right? And so Tevi the milkman and the butcher uh, celebrate by drinking and drinking 
and drinking a little more. And they end up in the local bar where the butcher buys rounds for everyone. And as often the case that happens in musicals, the whole bar begins to sing along. And you know what they sing? Laheim, Laheim to life. Laheim. You see it's spelled there in your bulletin. It's the Jewish toast that you'll often hear used today at Jewish weddings and other celebrations. Laheim to life. And in the scripture lesson today, we get a sense that Moses, before his people, is offering them a toast, Laheim to life. You see, Moses, is, it's like he's celebrating the long journey that brought them to this point in time. The, the, the escape out of slavery in Egypt, the 40 years in the desert wandering around, the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night, the stone tablets, the parting of the Red Sea, the golden calf, the manna from heaven, 40 years, and it's brought them to this point in time where they're about to cross over into the promised land. And Moses, at 120 years old, he knows he's not going to go with them into the new land. And so he's talking to them, and he's admonishing them to choose life. Kind of like a father at a daughter's wedding making a toast. To life, laheim. Choose life. And there's another way in which his message to the people that day is like talking to a child. I have a couple of children myself. And one of the brilliant parenting strategies that I've picked up along the way is to make sure you empower the kids to give them a little bit of choice. Not too much choice, but a little bit of choice. And so to simplify it, I often give my kids a binary choice. I give them two options that they can choose between. And it sometimes goes like this in all of my wisdom and parenting genius. I'll say, either you clean your room or you lose video games for two weeks. Or, either you eat your broccoli or you can go straight to bed. You choose, you choose what you want to do. Now, my kids are smart. And they figured out that there really are more than two choices. Like taking the broccoli and putting it in their pockets so that mom thinks they've eaten their broccoli. Or taking all the toys and stuffing them under the bed so that mom thinks they've cleaned their room. Or in the worst case scenario, they go to the other parent and see if they can find even more options than the two that mom has given. Don't do that, honey. And Moses, before the people that day, he's giving them, he's talking to them like kids, giving them a binary option. How does it go? He says, you see, I set before you life and prosperity Death and adversity. You choose. You go ahead and choose. Whichever you want there, folks. (laughs) Whichever you want. Now, spoiler alert. They're going to learn that's a little more complex than that, aren't they? But let's give old dad, you know, let's give him the respect that he deserves. Choose life, he says. He's just made it so simple. Well, how do we do that? How do we choose life? Well, there are a few ways. We make choices every day, don't we? 
every single day. I would dare say we make choices every moment of every day. Some of our choices are so habitual we don't even think about them. Like, uh, should I wear clothes today or not? (laughs) Maybe a hard choice for some of you, but not for me. Should I brush my teeth today or not? They're, They're so habitual that they don't even feel like choices anymore, right? And then on the other end of the choice spectrum, there are those really hard choices. Remember back to your young adult years, if you're a little past that. Some of you are still in in the young adult years. But big choices then. What do I major in? Who should I marry? What should I believe about God? Big, big choices to make. But we make choices all along the way. And usually our choices aren't between good and evil, unless you're a sociopath. They're between good and maybe better, right? How do we choose? It's a difficult thing. Dr. Seuss puts it well in his poem called, Oh, the Places You'll Go. Part of it says, You will come to a place where the streets are not marked. Some windows are lighted, but mostly they're darked. A place you could sprain both your elbow and chin. Do you dare to stay out? Do you dare to go in? How much can you lose? How much can you win? And if you go in, should you turn left or right? Or right in three quarters or maybe not quite? Or go back around and sneak in from behind? Simple, it's not. I'm afraid you will find for a mind maker upper to make up his mind. It's not simple, is it? To know what to choose in order to live into Moses' teaching and choose life. So how do we shine a little light on this question of how do we do it? I think one helpful way is to turn the phrase around. What is life-giving? If you have a choice before you, you simply ask, what is life-giving? Does this give me life? Energy, excitement, joy? Does this give my community and the world around me energy, joy, hope? Is it the life-giving path? Is it the life-giving choice? And that's one way that the windows can be lighted instead of darked, to use Dr. Seuss's words. But Moses takes it a step further. And in the passage we read, he offers three pillars for making the good choice. Three pillars, and I'm going to read it to you now. Three ways to choose life, and he says this. And it's an if-then statement, like if, if you do this, then this will happen. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by, number one, loving the Lord your God. Number two, walking in his ways. Number three, observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances Then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you. Three pillars. First one, to love the Lord your God. This is our affection. This is our heart, that we give God our heart. Number two, to walk in God's ways. This is our mind that directs our feet where to go. We give God our attitudes. And number three, Observe the commandments that I have given you. This is what we do with our hands and with our mouth, our tongue, our actions. And this reminds me of something. 
Ah, yes, a sermon that I heard two weeks ago at Chapel by the Sea by that preacher girl. What's her name? She was preaching that text from Micah to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly. It's attitude, it's affection, it's actions. It's the same thing that Moses says here in Deuteronomy. That we are to give God our affection and our attitude and our actions. That's the three pillars for choosing life. And what does God What does Moses say will happen then? Prosperity and life as opposed to death. (laughs) So you choose. You be the choice. Whatever. Whatever you want. God will bless the people if they choose that. Now let's talk for a moment about what I mean by blessing because I don't mean this, the prosperity gospel. Do you know that term? This health wealth thing. If you live a good life, then God will bless you and you'll be rich and you'll never be sick. No. Most of us know better than that, don't we? We know that bad things sometimes happen to good people. So what do I mean by this blessing? Moses promises the blessing of God if you'll do these things, these three pillars. I mean this, that if you're rooted in God, if you've given God your affection and your attitude and your actions, your whole life, if you're rooted in God, then the things of this world, the material blessings, that we think about, they don't matter so much. Jesus put it this way in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who mourn. Blessed are you who are persecuted. That's the kind of blessing I'm talking about here, not the thing that you see on Facebook where, hey, I got a brand new Mercedes, hashtag blessed. No. Congratulations about your new Mercedes. But the blessing of God comes from knowing our source, being connected to God so that other things just don't take up as much importance in our lives. That's the real blessing that we seek, is it not? That's the blessing we want for ourselves, for our kids, for our community, and for our world. Franciscans understood this, and they offered a a Franciscan blessing that I I close with. And may it be our prayer, and this is my prayer for us as a people. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger, at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. Let it be, Chapel by the Sea. Let it be. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.